There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Imri, the host of the Wannabe podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you so much again for joining me on this special episode. I am so excited that you're here. So let's get into it. A quick announcement that early bird tickets for Wannabe Live have been extended until this Friday. So you can still get your tickets for just £5 to the Wannabe Live Brand Builders Masterclass. You'll get a live recording similar to our monthly sessions with brand and marketing expert Prisca Moyesa. You'll walk away knowing how to use podcasting and video to build your brand. And you'll get our personal content timelines and templates. You can manage your social media and work full time and we are here to show you how. So visit wannabelive.eventbrite.co.uk. The link is also in the show notes. This week, I'm joined by my mentor, Dr. Victoria Shirumi. Dr. Victoria is a lecturer in education at UCL's Institute of Education and a senior lecturer at Maynooth University. Dr. Victoria's research interests include women, women's development, race and identity. She's contributed to a number of books in 2017, including a chapter in Feminist Pedagogy, Practice and Activism, Improving Lives for Girls and Women. Her research has appeared in several peer-reviewed journals, and I recommend reading Ethnic, Gender and Class Intersections in British Women's Leadership Experiences. In today's episode, we talk about the impact transracial adoption has had on Dr. Victoria's life. We explore why we believe meritocracy doesn't exist in the UK. You'll learn why it's important you don't try to work harder, but work smarter and build relationships. We touch on the very popular topic of white women weaponizing their tears and using the angry black woman trope to silence black women. Dr. Victoria has some very direct advice for those of you looking to enter a relationship. Again, if you're the kind of person that gets uncomfortable in discussions about race, feel free to skip this episode. There are plenty in the back catalogue that you can enjoy. Let's go. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? Who did I want to be? Oh my gosh. I quite, I quite like forensic and really, but also the psychological aspect of forensic, kind of really finding out how they did it and what's, what makes people tick. So that's something I would have liked to have done. But I suppose in some ways I'm a researcher, so I'm kind of, it's a different aspect of it, but you're still really finding out yeah. in a research way. Did you have anyone looking up to in a way? Because I know that for me, when I was super into forensics and I was trying to pursue a life as a pathologist, I um, I watched a lot of CSI, which oh, I'm ashamed you. to say, but it was it was such a huge part of why I wanted to do what I do, um, why I chose the A-levels I chose. It kind of really shaped shaped what I started to pursue and then eventually gave up on. I don't know, really. I mean, I, I watched different, a few different things, but... I don't think it was really anybody or anything as such. I, I used to watch a lot of programmes like Shaft and things like that. Um, so I was interested in that, <laughs> if I was allowed to watch them because of where I lived and my family life. But I, I was interested in detective programmes. 
and kind of how they solved things. Yeah. So that that interested me. Um, but individuals, no, not really. So you then chose to pursue your life in academia. Well, before that though, I was um, I did hotel management. You did. I did. This is something new. I did not know about you. Yep. Yep. Um, I was uh, sixteen, and uh, well, before sixteen, but I did a hotel management course. Um, Why hotel management? That seems very random. It, it, well, it is random and it isn't. But from kind of upper middle class kids, kind of hotel management is kind of the thing. Oh right. That many might go into. Um, so it's so I went into that and um, I did uh, you know do all the whole course and everything and I was very good at that. Um, got really good marks and everything else. I was always top of the year, but I got got bored. Not because it was good for me because it helped me out my shyness because I was extremely shy. Um, so it was good for me for that. But at the same time, um, I didn't realise when I'd finished the course I wanted to be a manager of a, of a really big hotel. And I started to go from interviews and the door was shut. So when I went turned up at the interviews, people would be asking, because my name is Vicky... Vicky Lane. Oh wow! So yeah. it's Victoria Lane, and so Victoria Lane, and they'd call me, and I'd step out, and they'd say the, the job's gone. Oh wow! And I'd say, just well, so I, obvious like that. But well. I said, I've come. You invited me for an interview, and I'm here. And they said, it's no job. There was never a job. So um, after a few times, I thought, well, you know, I'm not really going to get it into. I'm not really going to get into hotel management. Yeah. So what do I want to do? So that's when I thought about what I need to do is go into teaching. So I was interested in teaching people. I was interested in working with people. And so, um, again, at a young age, at the college, I went, thought, how do I, be, how do I become what you're doing? That's, what, that's when I started to switch into a different aspect. Interesting. That must have been so heartbreaking to kind of just continuously have the door shut in your face. Or, I mean, you avoided saying it, but I'm largely it's probably because you said upper middle class kids tend to go into hotel management. Those kids tend to be notoriously white. So you being a black woman is kind of a massive deviation <laughs> from what <laughs> what people would expect. Your name arguably is very anglicised. So... You go into these interviews, they're expecting probably a nice blonde white woman. <laughs> um, and they turn up with me. And yeah, yeah. And you know, immediately having that door shut. So how how did you handle that rejection? Um, well you see, because my life has been my life was all white. Mm. Um, because I grew up in uh, half my life was in I started off in Devon, then I went to Somerset. Um, wow. Okay. And my parents who um, adopted me were German half German Jewish, but they're dead, but German Jewish, um, upper middle class, so for German white class wise people, um, I never, I just grew up in whiteness, completely yeah. and utterly whiteness. Um, so half my time was Somerset and Devon, and the other half was in Kent, but you know, kind of Ramsgate, Broadstairs, that type of place. So not. London side of Kent at all. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, kind of deep stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I so when you say what I think, well, I it was just part of my life. Yeah. But you were you know, aware of your blackness of course. as that it was 
going to be the source of some of that rejection or because if you're growing up around it I'm guessing you're not really interacting with other people who can then relate and say well no sweetie this is because your skin is a different color were you even like acutely aware that that was the reason or were you just like huh I was kind of ignorant to it yeah I was very this is an interesting discussion really because I was I knew of course who I was I knew my blackness I didn't I wasn't somebody who class helped me I didn't want to scrub off my skin or anything like that that was not an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see, my mother, when I refer to my mother, I'm always talking about my adoptive mother. When my mother, her whole idea was that she wanted to make me a lady. Okay. Right? So her idea was education lessons, deportment lessons, kind of the whole notion of whatever you can to make finishing school, to make me a lady. But she forgot one thing. Yeah. That black. <laughs> so, so, you know, all those types of scenarios would work in normal stuff. So what does that do with the fact of going to hotel management? Well, her son went to boarding school and went to, did hotel management and have his own business and all that kind of stuff and, and went into hotels. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll do that type of thing. Even though I was extremely bright and I could have been a doctor, I could have done that, and I thought, no, I don't want to do any of that. I'd go into hotel work. Yeah. Because I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to be pushed into that. So I did, I, I kind of did that. And, did I look at the notion of race? I was very conscious of it. Mm-hmm. But when I came to London, I, it was when I came to London that I noticed that people say, because I'm black, it's this. That wasn't in my vocabulary yeah. at all. It was, I'm going to do this. Because for me, what I was brought up with is this, this notion of entitlement. Oh, of course, yeah. It's very powerful, that stuff. Do, do you know what I mean? So Potent, right. I will do this. There was no kind of... You can't do that. No one ever told me I couldn't do it. Yeah. I will do this. Oh, I just need to know the steps to get there. Mm-hmm. But I need to do it. That makes sense. Because I feel like I've genuinely been working it, it, it harder. Off. Yeah. yeah. I definitely work harder than anyone I, I've known for a while. But it's the and saying it, is in this country say. is, it's not what you know, it's, it's who, who you, you know. know. Meritocracy does not work in this country. It's true. It does not work in this country. You just kill yourself. I know. You need to just <laughs> find people which are in the know. It's true. And navigate with them with a certain amount. You just need a little bit of no, and then you navigate the rest. Yeah. I've I've gotten surprisingly far operating on what I believed to be my own basic mediocrity. Yeah. I feel like true equality will come when we allow like black mediocrity to just exist. <laughs> we haven't got time to wait for that. Well, yeah. I feel like it's a long time, but I feel like my, even my mediocre has been... I think you're doing well. Uh, very I, think I think you're doing very high well. Standard. And you Thank just you. need to just continue to do well. Um, but I think the, the issues which we face is, for me, my biggest issue is white women. Mm. And, Thankfully, I don't have to interact with you know, white women. And, and, and I like women, you know, white women, I like black women, I like, you know, Asian women, etc. But the biggest thing for me is liberal white women mm. who get very nervous about... Um, black women because they box them into aggression and so when all of a sudden you say you, you challenge them oh, oh, oh you're intimidated oh you oh and all of a sudden the white the tears start tears. to flow and you're thinking and i don't say it it's now. become a massive topic oh, lately white women's tears the weaponization of their tears oh my god and i used to years ago i'd say oh my goodness you're crying you know with some tissues now i just sit there and look <laughs> are you okay yeah oh, how are we doing how can you say i'm racist I didn't use those words. Why? I never said you was racist. 
<laughs> I'm so sorry you felt that I said that. I didn't say you were racist. But, but you, you, you don't know what it's like. Okay. I find it very frustrating <laughs> to deal with uh, the tears of white people in the face of you explaining something that is inherently racist, evidently racist, and you're upset. But I get, I guess some people are just well-meaning. You know, it's just that whole, but I didn't mean to cause any harm. But then it become you centred yourself in a story that was inherently not about you. Um, you didn't, you actually, like, you didn't experience the situation and yet here you are in tears. And I'm sitting here like, this was my, you've taken a moment. <laughs> you've stolen that moment. Oh, I'm so sorry, Victoria. I didn't, I didn't mean it. To, oh, sorry, I didn't really mean to do that. Um, sorry, I just... <laughs> Do you, do you want to carry on with the story? No, it's okay. It's fine. It's, You've had you know, are you okay? Are you okay? You know, don't worry. Long as yeah. you're okay, I'm good. I'm I'm good. So yeah, it is a really it's a tough one because I don't know I don't know what the solution is really, other than we just either just create more safe spaces where we just vent and vent and vent, but then we're still going to have to navigate this world with I, these well-meaning white women. I don't think it's about even venting. I think it's about the fact. I said to, I remember saying to a couple of administrators here one time, and they were really frustrated, and I said, look, you're all dressed up, you look really great, you're coming to work. And I said, you're coming to sit at the table. He's like, coming to sit at the table because you think you've got a place at the table. Mm. And I said, you sit around the table thinking that they're going to, you know, en- engage with you around the table. But I said, what they were expecting you to do is serve them at the table. I said, that's what you've got to understand. That you're dressed up sitting around the table thinking that you're, you've got a place around the table. You haven't. Your place around the table isn't a place around the table. What you've got, you're serving them. So you need to go and find your own table. Once you find your own table, you're done. And when I told her that, she said, Victoria, that's the best thing you ever said because it took away this, why can't, why can't you know, why don't they notice me? Why can't this and the other? Don't get involved with their table. Build your own. Go to your own table. For sure. And once you do that, it kind of loosens up your mind. It's like when I come in and I say, I'm going to the plantation house. <laughs> and people used to say to me, oh, you know, black and white. Say, oh, you should do the plantation house. So what is it then? <laughs> I'm going to the plantation house and I'm just, I know what I'm doing. Mm. If I say I'm going to work, I've got a whole range of stuff in my head, which doesn't, but if I say the plantation house, I understand the plantation owner. I understand that concept. I understand the different things which are going on in that. I understand there's overseers in the plantation house which look like me. I understand that. And I understand how I've got to navigate all of that stuff. Mm. And I also understand that the people in the field, I know I'm going to have time with them and I'm going to bring them in. And, and I understand all of that. That makes sense to me. But if you say to me, oh my God, you know, you've got to, you've got to, You've got to have a work ethic like this. No, what you see with me is the same person at home, the same person on the street, and the same person in the workplace. I can't split myself. And that is that to do with my entitlement, my, my arrogance, and my grounding of who I am. I don't know. Remember Emily Wapnick from episodes 11 and 12? Well, she single-handedly made me feel perfectly okay with being a podcaster, a marketer, a researcher, a CEO, a manager, and a shamefully bad but persistent graphic designer. For 72 hours, Emily and her talented team of multi-passionate experts are holding a flash sale of their books, courses, and planners. The value is over $1,500, and it's been running from May 15th until the 18th of May. They'll sell the bundle at just $97. 
I got to try out the multi-passionate must-haves and the tools that I felt were absolutely worth it are unveiling your business uniquity and making it the foundation of your brand workshop and workbook, the erase the chaos toolkit, which helped me reevaluate how I use my time and the figure out what fits course by Scott Barlow, which usually costs $397. It's helped me shed some of the things that haven't been working and welcome the things that are working really well. I have an affiliate link. So if you use this, I will get a small commission if you decide that it's for you. All proceeds will be going to my unpaid sound engineer. To get your multi-passionate must-haves bundle, you can visit wannabepodcast.com and hit get the multi-passionate must-haves in the link in the very top bar. Also, the link is in the show notes. I hope you enjoy it, but please do check it out and see if it's for you. Yeah, like there would be a level of entitlement to feel like you could come as your whole self. And I think I've like you, when you mentioned people that change the way they speak, uh, I remember changing the way I speak. Well, I always had a, I was always somewhat well spoken, as they say, um, but it definitely exce- like I accelerated that and uh, made it more ingrained because I came from South London and Croydon. There was oh, did you? Oh yeah. my god, I know South London. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, very I mean, different ways. I don't, I don't think I ever had like a full fledged South London accent. I didn't really use slang like that, but, but I definitely you could code switch. Yeah, I definitely would, yeah. and I think I've always. I've always been somewhat well-spoken, but I definitely probably peppered it with like a few dropping of the T's. Definitely water was a thing I used to say. Um, Things like that. And then I got to sixth form and I think, I think my mom was very good at telling us like the game is set up against you. Like (laughs) that, that just that general, like knowing yourself out. Yeah. You need to, the game is rigged. So you need to play by the rules. Um, You need to go to their universities. You need to get to know, know them. And be connected, but that changing of yourself, I did like I never came. I don't, I don't think the I've ever had the entitlement to just take up space. I've always been the let's shrink into it, um, let's kind of observe. And to a degree, I've always had more of like a Trojan horse mindset. Like I'm going to get in, right. and then I'm going to reveal like this is the whole entire me now. Right. Um, but yeah, I I'm, I definitely do kind of sit and observe and like oh okay. I, I'm safe for now and like right. you feel like I'm safe for now and then it's a case of no I, then I'll call it out I feel like that's always how I've operated in these spaces uh definitely more of a Trojan horse than anything else and then I start bringing people in as much as I can like <laughs> everyone's welcome um yes. but yeah I think we all have to find the tactics that best yeah. work for us right because I can't I cannot be the only person in the space it's crazy making I've you always will, been you just, you just, I don't even know how you survived I've as long as you have. Been. And always, always, always been. And I think that's the bit which I need to learn from others mm. is that one, I've never been taught like you've been taught with your parents, your mother. Uh, I don't know if it's parents or, or mother. Mum, yeah. I've never been taught that you know you've got, you've got to play the game. Never. Mm. I've never been taught that you need to know what they're doing. Never been. I've never been that neither. Um, and so to me, it was just. It was just entitlement. It was, there was no, we lived in a big house for God's sake. You know, we didn't live in a, you know, kind of a, we didn't live in a council state. We didn't live, you know, we lived in a big house. So mm. it was a kind of, um, uh, my father worked, my father worked Monday to Friday in the city. Oh, nice. So he was a, he was a chartered accountant. He worked for the Queen. That's so sorry. he worked for the royal family and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's a whole range of different yeah, that's stuff. Yeah, You know, and my mother didn't mindset. work. Yeah. There, there, there was no discussion about mortgages or anything like that. There was no mortgage. There was no, there was no, there was none of that kind of stuff. My mother didn't work. Um, 
it wasn't that she couldn't work. Now, she did work towards the end when she was about... She start, she had me, she looked after me from the age of 58. Oh, wow. Or 56 or something like that, all right? And so... um Yeah, and so my, so my mother, I think, got a, a job in the um, doctor's lounge in a hospital when she needed some money. And so she worked with the doctors, serving them some, you know, serving them cafe food and things like that. All right. It was the doctor's lounge. So she do she did that when she needed to have some money. Um, so there was no that she didn't go to work for a career. She didn't. Yeah. So I wasn't expected to have a career. Yeah. I wasn't expected to go to university. I wasn't expected to do any of that because ladies don't do things like that. I wasn't expected to ride a bike. I wasn't allowed to ride a bike. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to ride a bike. It's I wasn't like a whole new world. Though, I mean, it's a, it's a, if people understood what I what I was what I was being developed for, it was. Megan, Megan's, you know, she had got no idea. I mean, she's coming from a, a totally different... I mean, it was just... It was, you know, it, etiquette was a big, big thing in my yeah. house. So, so going back to what you were saying in relation to... I suppose I get beaten up because people perceive that I know. I don't know a lot of stuff. And so even colleagues, which are very, very conscious, I'm very conscious, but there's gaps... Yeah, and they don't understand. They they think, why did she say that? And I've already told them that I'm I'm visibly black, but I was socialised white. Yeah, but they get themselves in a mess. They get all angry with me and everything else because they think that I'm being I'm being white because I'm deliberately being white. And I say my lens is 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 getting blacker over the years. Of course it is, but there's going to be things which I and if I trust the person, I will expose. I will say certain things. Not that I'm. But people get very, very get angry, very angry with me because they think that I'm, um, I'm deliberately being white, or I'm deliberately doing things which you'd expect a white person to do. Yeah, kind of that like black, what black privilege do? thing. But you don't know what you don't know, right? <laughs> Absolutely, what do you want me to do? I mean, I, I, what do you want me to do? I can't do. I, yeah, you know, I, I remember trying to learn, you know, patois. Oh wow! I just do <laughs> certain things, and my friends would laugh at me and say, "Oh my God, Victoria, it's so posh! You can't, you cannot How do you say just that." Decide to learn. Oh, I'm is sorry. that even a thing to learn? Mm. Um, it's only Charlotte really wants to learn patois. What? That's and, not... she, and she, her father's Jamaican, right? Well, Jamaican English, South Londoner. He's just a ragamuffin, man. That's all he is. <laughs> and and these two, their father is, their mother's Jamaican, and yeah. their mother, their father's white. Right, so their grandfather, their grandfather is white and black. So their grandmother's black and their grandmother's right. grandfather's there. So their father's mixed race. But this one is, he's, he sees it. Like, he's been to Jamaica once, he doesn't even know. I've been to Jamaica more times than he'll ever go. Wow. That's <laughs> what I thought about, like, I don't, it's really strange because I grew up mostly around my Jamaican family. Um, so we grew up in, I was born in Luton, grew up in Luton for like the first five years. But my mum's from was born in St. Thomas, grew up on St. Kitts. Right. And all of my family's from St. Kitts. But all of the time spent in the UK, which is like every Christmas, every Easter, every holiday, it's the Jamaican family. But I don't identify with Jamaica at all. Is that your father's side? Yeah, on my right. dad's side. Right. I don't, I can't, like, I just, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't even, call, I wouldn't even say I'm Jamaican. Right. I wouldn't say Jamaica first, uh, if anyone else where my, my family's from. Jamaica's not the default. Um, and maybe because I didn't, my dad, even though I spent most of my time with my dad's family, that's my, that is the family. When I think of family, immediate yeah. family, I think of the Jamaican side. Right. I went, Jamaica, as well. I went for the first time, not last year, the year before. Oh, Jamaica. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And it was still very strange because I was like, you're my family, but I don't know you. Whereas in St. Kitts, my mom took us there when I was nine. Um, 
Yeah, I was nine and year six. And she moved us over there for a year. She was like, you guys are just oh, internalizing no, some lovely. nonsense. That's lovely to go do it. Yeah. yeah. So she was like, you're internalizing some really crazy stuff. Like, I remember asking my mom to relax my hair every day for like almost my whole life so she was like I'm not just I'm not doing this anymore you're going to St. Kitts and she kind of just took us out of school we didn't know what was going on and for a year we just lived in St. Kitts with that family so I've always said I'm I'm Kittitian that's that small island is me that I can relate when we went there we tried to speak with the dialect really badly Uh, we went to school there we experienced the the beatings that they give you there like so I'm always I would always say I'm like Kittitian and when I graduated from uni um, I did my dissertation in St. Kitts as well and then I went back after uni for two years and lived there so I'm always I can identify and relate and I think that has been such a... It was so useful. Like, I'm so grateful to my mum for making us go. Because I think we were like, no, but our friends in school. Yeah. But it was singularly the best thing that ever happened to us because that was the first time I was in a space where everything, everybody was black. Government, prime minister, and you had women ministers, uh, female ministers, you had female teachers, you had... It was all black everything. And I think that's what gave me my grounding and I needed it. I need that with her at the moment. Yeah, take them to the place and just let them just live. I need it at the moment. It needs to be entrenched because that's when I was like... I think to a degree where I, maybe I can relate to that level of entitlement to a degree is I've never thought and nothing was possible. I've always seen yeah. everything as being within reach because if I can go to St. Kitts and see a female minister and potentially even a prime minister, then why would I not be able to achieve that here? Absolutely. But that's what so, our kids don't have because yeah. they don't have that. And I think it does help. I've always said it, yeah. it is essential that you go to a space where everything is familiar and looks you look you like look everyone that. else. Maybe summer school. Um, yeah. She wants to go to Jamaica. She wants to go to Jamaica summer school. Do it. I mean, I just need to find, the right, I just need to find the right thing for her to go to. It's It's important. And I think we did, um, before we did a year in St. Kitts, my my mom got married there. So uh, to my stepdad, he's Jamaican, his family's Jamaican. And the the family from Jamaica came to St. Kitts as well. And it's like a whole different world, different islands. But we were there for four weeks. And my mom put us in school there too. She was like, you guys are not missing just four weeks of school. You have to go to school. So we were in school there. So we were already somewhat familiar with how the island runs, how kids are dealt with in school. And we weren't the smartest. And that I think was eye opening as well. Is that I wasn't so entitled when I went to St. Kitts. There are people that are genuinely smarter than me that have access to education that's far superior to my own. And it, it just, it just, it's a very beautiful and grounding experience mm. to just have that foundation. So my, my I would 100% recommend that. One of my good friends is from yeah. Yeah, Kadena. So wow. it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I think that's what's enabled me to kind of just navigate spaces a little bit smarter. Yeah. Um, so final question. Or oh, final questions. Uh, what's the worst advice you've ever received and what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, they didn't mean it. That's the worst one? I didn't mean it, Victoria. Maybe just a little bit sensitive. Mm. You know, maybe it's a little bit sensitive. Don't really mean that. And why is that the worst advice? Because you then go into your own headspace thinking it's you. Because you then try and change you. Mm. And it's not think about you. It's about the other person projecting onto you. But you think, okay, maybe it is me. Now that's the type of stuff you get when you're well, I'd say this type of stuff I got a lot when I was younger, but I still get it. People say, oh, they didn't really mean that. You know, it's just you being baby sensitive. And what's, and I think the worst thing I heard 
just about six weeks ago was, why does race have to be in everything? So I took a deep breath. And I actually felt very emotional when they said that the person said, because I kind of trusted that person. Yeah. And that person was a gay white male. Okay. And I kind of trusted him. And I thought, really? That was like a knife going into, why has race got to be in everything? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that one before, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just a whole a whole conversation and it's just, you just already know that it's just not even worth the effort the fact that you even said it just means it's no it's this this is over let's let's not even address this anymore because absolutely i just looked at them i just saw really all right so the best advice you've received when you're choosing a relationship think about it as a strategic project what do you mean by strategic project well, you have goals <laughs> <laughs> and you look at ways of achieving those goals and so you have a plan. Yeah. You have a plan. You don't just fall into a relationship. You strategically work out what is it you're going to be doing and who is it you want and who you don't want and how you're going to try and link with that person. That was a really good piece of advice. Cool. Um, I'm not in a relationship. I tried to use that relationship with the person which I'm not in with anymore. Yeah. But there's a lot of learning to do. And so that's my, that, if I do ever get in another relationship, I will make sure I dust that off and use it. And I think the, the advice my mother said to me, which I didn't understand at a young age, was don't marry for love, but marry for money. I, I <laughs> totally agree with that. Not even necessarily money, but I don't see marriage as a... I never want to get married for love, uh, personally. I see it as more as like a business decision. afterwards. Yeah. I feel like you can fall in love with anyone, to be yeah. honest. Um, love is messy it's and it's, it's fleeting and it comes back. There's so much to it. It's unpredictable, actually, in too many ways. Whereas I feel like if I'm going to get married, it would be for very strategic and business reasons. Otherwise, you kind of just... We could just exist together. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we can just exist. Absolutely. For a beautiful long time or a short time, but we can exist. Absolutely. We don't need to legally bind ourselves yeah. into something without a clear objective as to yeah. where where this is going. Absolutely. So yeah, I do agree with that. Strategically. Strategic and I think that's a that's a thing which I'm I've become more and more of. I mean I've been very strategic anyway, but I think you lose it when it comes to relationships because you end up stupid. But I think you just need to kind of have that eye that it's a strategic project. Mm. And that strategic project may have an end. And if it's an end, it's an end. But it may go on for a long lifetime. I don't know. But it, 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 sometimes it has a, it most of the time it has an end. Yeah. If you nodded your head at any of the discussion points in today's episode and you need someone to talk to, feel free to email Dr. Victoria. She is incredibly supportive of high-achieving black women and the unique pressures and challenges that we face in the workplace. Her details can be found in the show notes. 
Don't forget, Wannabe is going live for the very first time on June 2nd, and it won't be any normal live show. We have designed the Brand Builders Masterclass to get you and your brands to the next level. So visit wannabelive.eventbrite.co.uk. The link is also in the show notes. If you like how this podcast is made and you think that you can do what I do, then you need to reach out to the Shoutout Network to find out about recording rates. Visit shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Be sure to follow Wannabe on Twitter and Instagram at Wannabe Podcast. Please do tweet and comment. It's really incredible to hear what you think of these episodes and ways that I can improve it. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. If you don't have time, just hit the stars and go. It's okay. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Bye.